Ah, good morning, everyone. Welcome to our first double-digit episode of Seize the Day. We're at number 10 today. Yeah, 10. We made it, Jim. Did you yes. think get this far, eh? What a conf- what uh, dedication we have for this, you know? <laughs> and we're going to look at, at natural talents and abilities mm-hmm. and effort required where that may or may not be there mm-hmm. and how it relates to hobby and work. Right. And uh, how choice and obligation comes into all that sort of stuff. Yeah, no, I, I think it's going to be a great episode. Um, and, you know, uh, coming off our um, vacation episodes, which are, we did as a tribute to uh, last one, tribute to Gordy Howe, and we had another one on vacation and rest. We're moving on to uh, a deeper theme, um, more on um, natural talents and abilities, you know? And how that contrasts versus effort, and um, uh, we'll also be talking about a little bit about hobbies versus work, and whether or not it's healthy to turn your hobby into work. And um, we got some other themes too, Jim. What, what else are we going to talk about? Well, you know, there's there's things that play into all that sort of stuff, and and uh, you know, willpower and determination. Yeah, and uh, and sometimes you know going with the flow, you know you're good at it, so you just go with it. Yeah, and, and you know I think in in between there is like you're really kind of finding out our own strengths and weaknesses um, as we go through things, and um, using those as cues to sort of find our path in life, you know. Yeah, and, and there's there's uh, I don't I think if everyone chose the easy path, there'd be a lot of. Uh, a lot of people who, who um, didn't experience what it takes for willpower and determination and developing abilities. Mm-hmm. Some are some abilities are, are natural and some are developed. And, I know, agree. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have people who, who make successes because they had to work for them. Exactly. I mean, that applies for, you know... Whether it be um, uh, a hobby, a sport, I mean, any person who's been successful in sport knows that behind all those amazing shots and and um, goals comes from like years and years of um, al- almost autonomic muscle training in the sense that you just do what you need to do when you're you're there at that moment. I mean, I think about the Gretzkys and I think about um, you know the the different uh, you know the Kobe Bryant's, the Michael Jordans of the world, the people that that are able to pull off that amazing shot at the last second. I mean, it may seem like a fluke to those who don't play the game, but once you see the amount of talent and skill it takes to get to that moment, the amount of, you know, uh, training and, and preparation just to get there, it, it doesn't seem as fluky after that. <laughs> you bet. That's that's exactly true. And they've made that shot 10,000 times. That's why they can make it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was thinking of Michael Phelps, you know, when that Olympics where he won a whole whack of uh, swimming um, gold medals and how they said his natural ability based on his the way his um, body is aligned and everything and makes him like a perfect almost human fish, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and I thought about that and I thought, wow, that guy has some natural ability and that's natural talent in that field. But then what if he had become a plumber instead? <laughs> You know, and he, he still can if he wants to. He can, yeah. <laughs> and that, that's what's interesting. That somebody along the way saw his natural talent in that and helped him hone his ability to make him a great swimmer. 
I mean, of course, we could say it's all a lot of willpower on his part, but somebody had to say, hey, you got some talent, brother, and um, sort of get him that direction uh, before he actually um, probably saw it in himself. And that's kind of neat, too. Sometimes we need someone to sort of see a glimmer of, of our talent before we actually see it ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> um, in, in a TED Talk I watched, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with a fellow by the name of John Wooden. Yeah, oh yeah, I am. He's yeah, a, he, a, a basketball coach, isn't he? Yeah, he used to coach UCLA and he won, I don't know how many championships in a, in a row. And, you know, he coached Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Walton and, you know, numerous other people who had high levels of success. And, and he was asked, um, who was the best player ever coached? And he, he gave an answer. He says, well, I don't really want to, answer that question because everybody has a different skill level coming in. Mm. You know, I mean, you can't compare a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You can't coach tall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? And, you know, but obviously, you know, he spoke about, you know, how hard he worked and, and that sort of thing. But he brought up two lesser lights. He says, what I'm going to speak about is two people who reached their potential or came the closest to reaching their potential through through hard work and I, I forget the two gentlemen's names and neither of them were were all-stars but they both were capable of becoming starters and he thought you know he saw them as junior varsity players and thought oh if these are our junior varsity players <laughs> we're not in very good shape moving down the road but he said they they both understood their role they neither of them were naturally talented at jumping, but they both established excellent position, both on offense and defense. And neither one were natural shooters or anything like that, but they could score when needed to. Mm. And they both played exceptionally good defense because they they worked very hard at it and they they understood their role in, in the defensive aspect and they obviously learned how to block out on the rebounding side very, very well. So, you know, here's people with extreme effort and lesser talent levels that achieved, from the coach's perspective, their potential. Yeah, you know, you know, when I think about John Wooden, I, I remember um, I was listening to a Tony Robbins' interview of him with um, John Wooden, and he passed away in 2010. And according to my Wikipedia notes here, in a 12-year period, he, uh, his teams in the NCAA won 10 out of 12 championships in a record seven in a row. Oh, he, he had unbelievable success. Yeah, like he, it says here that he won a basketball record of 88 consecutive games and was named National Coach of the Year six times. And the guy himself is only a 5'10 guard when he was playing. And the most remarkable part is that during his time as a coach, you would have think that you would have thought that he was um, uh, well decorated in, in accolades, which he was. But in terms of salary, what's remarkable here is he never made more than thirty-five thousand a year for salary, not you know not including speaking engagements and stuff like that. But in the final year he coached, where he won his tenth national championship, he never even asked for a raise, according to ESPN. <laughs> yeah, very humble guy. Yeah, he even turned down a, an offer to coach the LA Lakers, uh, which would have been ten times what he was making at UCLA. 
Yeah, and he also prided himself on being a very good English teacher. And he, you know, if he was in his 70s or late 60s and 70s when he had that achievement of seven years in a row and all that sort of stuff. So he'd already had a lifetime of other experiences. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he yeah he really prided himself on on being a good teacher. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you know what we we go through a lot of trying to measure our success, and a lot of it comes down to um, you know how we see ourselves. But um, you know the the yardstick seems to be the toys we have or or the financial things sometimes that out, outwardly people see. You know, that's why we see, you know, so much um, said about uh, Trump versus Clinton and things like that, the financial wizards and the magnets that way versus, you know, other things. And not to get political anyways, but <laughs> cause it's not, not um, Canada's uh, election, it's going to be the USA one. But I'm just thinking about the perspectives we have about what is success and, you um, you know, what we're remembered for. And I, I would think that the fact that we're even talking about John Wooden in this manner, he's already left the legacy. He even got like, um, like a recreation center in UCLA named after him, a, a street named after him and all from a guy making 35 grand a year there, Jim. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, a very humble person at that. Yeah. And I mean, that's a great role model. You don't have to live in an illustrious, um, overprivileged life in order to have made a legacy in this world. Yeah, you exactly. He, What's he going to do with his money now if he made 10 times what he had before? <laughs> yeah, much. like it's funny. A friend of mine was saying, you don't want to be the richest guy in the graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it brings me to think about um, what we were talking about, uh, one of our themes, natural talents versus abilities. Like, I think all of us have some natural talents. You know, you recognize them sometimes because some things come super easy to us, whereas others have to struggle at them, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, that takes that takes on so, you know, that's, that's in so many areas of life, you know, athletics, academics. Um, you know, those are the two that come to mind the quickest, mm -hmm. but it can also be in things like willpower and determination. Those, those things are somewhat a natural thing. Yeah. I know. But they can be learned too. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so, you know, your desire to want to achieve something is, is all fits into that equation. I agree. And, um, you know, I, I went through a process of um, talking to my daughter who's graduating from high school and, um, you know, she really wanted to do well on her final exams and she's pretty much finished all of them except for the one left next week. But, um, uh, she, you know, I, I was looking at uh, some of the courses that she has natural skill and ability in, like her languages in terms of English and, and Spanish and, and those type of um, uh, courses and she's just naturally talented and gifted in that area where you know she can spend a fraction of the time preparing for those versus um, some of the sciences which she puts a lot of willpower and determination to achieve those goals and it's been a good exercise of determination because it's not something that comes to you very naturally or easily it's very easy to get discouraged and not try yeah it, the the whole lesson in that is is, you know, if it's not a natural thing, but you still want to succeed in it or, or learn some of what it has for you, it's going to take some effort and some work and all those things. 
and you know passing the course is the minor part of it but learning the lesson of what can come from a bit of effort and work is is the bigger lesson yeah and you know um, as I was going to school at the time I you know I met a lot of people and uh, you know went to university and and um, and I I saw some people really struggling with courses that I found easy and otherwise and there's other courses where I saw really brilliant people who I consider brilliant because they could do things I couldn't do and they they would walk into a class with very little preparation and ace an exam on something that I might have studied for hours and hours and hours on and I thought like that's not fair <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that guy's naturally talented, but I'm also not seeing him in an arena where something comes easily for me. You know? And I think it's very easy to forget your own skills and talents when you see other people's skills and talents and you envy them for their ability. And I thought, you know, I think it's pretty fair sometimes. You know, and... Uh, yeah, well, uh, you know, I think um, you, you brought up a really interesting point there and... and um, I think the best way I can give an analogy for this is Gordie Howe mm. said, you know, we, we brought up Gordie in our last episode, but, you know, he said, um, don't gripe about the cards you're dealt, play them as best you can, and don't worry about somebody else's cards. Yeah, no, I like that. So, you know, we, we can't control how good somebody else is at something. Mm -hmm. That's That's what it is. That's, you know, so... Yeah, and we, we've all compared ourselves. So, you know, in, in that comparison, sometimes there's the value doesn't really exist there because we can't control that. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it brings me back to the quote where um, it, it says, don't wish you were easier, wish you were better. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and that, that's so cool. I mean, lots of times we wish things were easier, but really, we shouldn't really wish things were easier. If we were more skilled, then it would be easier for us, right? So you flip flip the switch on that. I mean, do you really want basketball to be easier and you want to make the hole so big that anybody can just toss through the hoop? <laughs> you know, without looking, would that really be that fun? Would we really cheer that person that can aim that ball through like a three meter wide hoop? <laughs> or is it more uh, exciting to wish the guy had more skill so he could hit it every time, right? Yeah, and you know, golf is a game that no matter what the, you know, if you're in a bit of a competitive situation with it, mm -hmm. no matter what the person is doing beside you, you have no control over that. So yeah. don't worry about it. <laughs> I know. You, you have control over how you hit the ball. If he manages to do better, nothing you can do about that. <laughs> mm. Other than the time you put in in preparation and the development of your talents and and uh, you know being aware of some other things like where I should place the ball what you know where to how is the green running you know all those other things that are outside of hitting the ball it's it's reading the information put in front of you mm -hmm. I know uh, it's kind of interesting that um, you know we think about uh, the things that we don't have a lot more than the things we do. Um, and that's where we, we were talking about how this theme about natural talents versus abilities and efforts. And then I think about, you know, what you told me a while back about um, how somebody had tried to convince you to uh, 
uh, getting this, going the ski patrol because it's a, one of your greatest hobbies and turn it into work and how you were wise enough to see that you didn't want to turn your hobby into work. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to make my occupation, my or my recreation my occupation. Mm -hmm. The recreation was somewhat a meditation and and you know it was, it was something you enjoyed to do that was done by choice at the time that you wanted to do it versus an obligation of going all the time. Mm -hmm. I agree and you know it's funny um, you know lots of times I, when I was growing up I was really a uh, computer enthusiast I ran a bulletin board system I um, was really into computers and programming and everybody naturally thought that I'd go into computer programming as my work and I thought, no, I don't really want to do that because it's something I enjoy doing and designing and doing things and websites and stuff. But I didn't really want to make it my day-to-day because -day I knew that if I did that, I'd lose the passion for doing it for the love of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's, it, it's, it's just fun. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think back to some of the things I've done in my lifetime that have brought me the most joy. And, and a lot of them are, are things that I didn't have to do but I did because I wanted to do. And um, it's those things that you do in the wee hours in the morning when nobody's asking you to do them and it doesn't seem like there's anybody pushing you to do it or any purpose in doing it that actually define who you are. A lot of times it's how you do the little things that matter that define who you are. Yes, I, I agree. That's, that's uh, you know, you're... Um, you, I gave you an example of... Uh, learning powder skiing and, and being able to learn it because of uh, doing a little bit of research and finding an article that taught you about balance and how to train that balance specific to the sport and and nobody was watching nobody you know I was the only one who cared about being able to develop that skill mm -hmm. so you know sometimes we you know we have to look inside to see if we're we've achieved something we, that we want. Mm. I hear you. You know, it's funny, um, my daughter was saying to me a while back, I guess it was about a year ago, um, she, she's really good at, do, uh, at doing the little things that, you know, kind of bring a smile to your face that you don't expect. You know, like, if she's in a group of friends, she'll notice the one in the corner that's kind of being left out because she's been there before, right? And she'll also do those kind of nice things that she'll think about, you know, during graduation, she'll be the one that assembles photos of everyone and takes her time to not try to include everyone and, and give everyone a, an envelope that has photos of the photos they took with her or otherwise, just memory keepsakes. And, you know, everybody wants those people in their life because those are the people that actually take a moment to kind of snapshot it so that they don't get forgotten um, from the event pr perspective, but also just that value the time enough to realize that one day you're going to look back and really want to see this moment, right? And she says, Dad, sometimes I do these things and it's so much effort and it doesn't seem like anybody really appreciates it, you know? I mean, they might say thanks at the time, but they just don't, uh, they don't see how much effort it is. I said, you know, in a way, they don't see the effort because, you know, they, they weren't the one putting in the time to do it. But then at the other, other standpoint, they also may take some time to marinate this years later before they see that your little action was a difference maker for them, right? Yeah, and if it... If it uh... And, and maybe she's completely unaware that there's someone who's already appreciated her efforts to this point. Yeah, and, and she's yeah. not saying never, like none yeah. of the people, but she's just saying that it's sometimes it's, you know how it's that disappointing thought when you get somebody a gift that you had a, 
you know, climb the Himalayas to get to, right? <laughs> well, and and if she thinks that's the right thing to do, who cares what everybody else thinks or appreciates? Yeah, and you have right? to get to a certain maturity level to be in the yeah. who cares mode too, you know? Yeah, and it, you know, and there's a little bit of willpower and determination in, in recognizing, well, firstly, she's recognized it and done something about it, mm -hmm. right? So then, you know, there's some choice there too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And that's the thing, when we lead into our talk about choices versus obligations, we all have a lot of obligations in our life. We have to do this, we have to do that. But, you know, if we twist it around and go from have-tos to get-tos, you know, like, I get to wake up in the morning, I get to go jogging, instead I have to go jogging. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly turns it around. Like, you know, uh, you, you cry about not having new shoes until you see the man with no feet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I always remember a story a, a co-worker told me he... He managed a, uh, a kind of a um, chicken barn thing, mm. a feedlot sort of a chicken barn. And he had, uh, you know, plenty of people coming to him asking for raises. And, you know, that was basically out of his control. And, mm. uh, you know, and, and it was for, you know, fairly specific jobs that didn't have high skill levels. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, I, I'm sorry, but the wage is the wage, you know, it's been set by the corporation and that's what it is. But if you do look under your chair, there's no chain holding you there. You feel free to do <laughs> any other work you might want that meets your financial needs. I'll support you in that. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that. You know, so, I, I hear people complain about their circumstances, but not what to you, make, yeah, what are we doing about them, right? Yeah, what are you doing about them? You know, I, I, I think that's, you know, I admire... The, the worker at the fast food joint who's who sees the you know the um the joy of being there and making the most of the moment that they're there rather than complaining about where they are the circumstance because uh, like it or not they put themselves there and like I said you know don't wish you were easier or paid more wish you were better so you're worth more yeah the the whole uh, the whole value of work thing is a is a massive topic unto itself mm -hmm. and you know, work skill comes from, I think, a couple of places. Um, one is, what's been your experience? Mm -hmm. And have you managed to do some vertical de development? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you went from Arby's to McDonald's to Dairy Queen, that's not really vertical <laughs> development, is it? Well, you're getting new flavors. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not a bad thing. No, not a bad thing. Maybe, you maybe there was a raise in each one of those moves. And perhaps in that process they end up opening their own franchise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now now you you've taken some learning and you 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 made it something, right? Elevated your game. Yeah. Yeah. Um but you know, if you're that uh fast food worker and you said, well, you know, I don't want to do this my whole life. I'm going to take a night course or a correspondence course or something online and develop a skill. And then I move into an entry level that, you know, pays a little more doing something else. And you continue to do that development. You're, you're becoming a more valued commodity to, in the employment world. Yeah. The marketplace pays you what you think you're worth. And I, yeah. one, one thing I always keep in mind is that you're paid in proportion to the number of people you actually influence, which is kind of an interesting thought. Let's say we're the best um, shoe shiner for the world, right? Well, how many shoes can you shine in a day? I don't know, maybe 10 maybe 10 people's shoes, maybe more yeah. if you're good. 
Um, but my point is that the reason why um, um, people who influence people on a larger scale get paid so much more, and it took me a long time to get to grips with this part. Like, let's say you're an artist and um, or you're a, a singer or a basketball player. You know, the reason why they get paid a lot is because a lot of people watch them. Honestly, I mean, you get a little piece of the pie from a million people, you're going to make a lot more money than if you're influencing a small group of people, generally, right? Um, and it, it goes in proportion to how much influence or how much impact that their actions have on other people. And once you separate the fact that regardless if it's a sport or a business person influencing, a CEO influencing 500 employees or um, a basketball player who's having millions of people watch him and it and it is endorsements on the advertisements, it really doesn't make that big of a difference. Even a, a surgeon is paid a lot because he has specialized skill that very few people can do, and yet he's influencing enough people that he's paid very well for the time that he's doing it. There's a lot deep there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean, uh, uh, if, if you're a realtor in the west side of Vancouver right now and you're in a hot market, and you're, you know, doing a pretty good job of marketing properties or whatever. You're going to do extremely well financially, right? But let's look at what it takes to become a realtor. One right. course to get a license. That's it. Yeah. So you compare that to the surgeon, and they may make, you know, there's a whole, you know, ten years of training to become a surgeon, and you know, you have to be able to accept cutting into somebody's body and all that. But that's only. The, you know, financially speaking, those two people may be on exactly the same plane for that year. Maybe they both make $500,000 in that year. True, true. But I, I think there's a whole lot of difference when you start peeling away the layers and, and looking at, at um, all sorts of different factors in those two occupations. And, you know, personally, I've never really tried to do anything more than live in a specific geography and, and get a job that has a bit of satisfaction and a reasonable amount of pay. I haven't really worried about it beyond that point. Yeah, and you know what, And uh, I think our theme of this is there's nothing wrong with that as well because it's really what it comes down to. Um, we, the one thing that we have as common currency in our lifetime um, is time. Like, you know, we all have 24 hours in a day. And we don't know how much time we have overall in our whole lifetime, but what we do have is we, and given that all days are equal in the sense, um, we're both given, or we're all given the same amount of times in a day, so what we do with that time is up to us. So that is an equal currency. Now, whether or not we're uh, paid extremely well or otherwise, it, it really is proportionate to how much you really need in life, if you think about it. I mean, you, sure, it would be great to be dropped a, a load of a million dollars a day, on a regular basis, but there probably are people out there with that that dilemma. <laughs> Share a little bit of the dilemma, of course, um, but may not be fully enjoying their day. Or maybe they could be in a wheelchair, sitting there uh, doing hedge market trading and making a million dollars a day, but not able to enjoy it. Yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of of factors in that. You know, past a certain amount of money that gives you shelter and food and you know a bit of recreation and things like that mm -hmm. up to the guy who makes you know millions a year mm -hmm. the happiness difference between those two people isn't a whole lot 
No, and, and that's the commonality I've noticed. Like, you can go, um, there's certain, everybody goes through these moments. There's certain times in your life, priceless moments that you can't buy back with any amount of money, like whether or not it be time or otherwise, right? And I'm saying, like, these are the key moments, you know, and, you know, the, the time you first meet your wife and uh, the time that, you know, you have a, a close call in a car and you're, you're just looking across and you're realizing what you could have lost and you didn't, right? Uh, all these little time, these precious moments that form the fabric of our history that only we have are priceless, timeless moments that form our personalities and our perspectives on life. And I don't think those are worth trading at all. So it doesn't really matter how much you make on a dollarly, uh, on, on, a, on a dollar scale, but the experiences you have are probably the most priceless things that you have to offer to yourself and to all the people that know you. Yeah, yeah. What what you do? I mean, we all work is a necessity to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe there's the odd person out there born with a silver spoon that doesn't really have to have that experience. Mm -hmm. it, it, and too bad for them. <laughs> Honestly, there's yeah. there's you know there's so much to learn in that, and not in just being able to meet meet people and make friendships and and all that that comes with the day-to-day -day that you experience, right? Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, when we talk about choices and obligations and we think about willpower versus going with the flow, what's your thought on that, Jim? I mean, there's certain times we have to show our determination. We talked about that a little bit um, to make things happen. It shows builds character so that not everything comes easy. But there's also times when it's good to go with the flow to see your natural talents and and work with them and start to develop them to the maximum. You know, like we were talking about, um, you know, Michael Phelps a while back ago about his natural talent to swim. He's got natural talent, but that doesn't mean that he didn't have to put an effort to hone that skill either. Oh, and he had to have the desire to continue with it. There's probably a thousand Michael Phelps in the world if you look at his body type and all that. So, mm -hmm. you know, we'll we'll look at how that narrows down. Well, maybe half of those guys didn't really have the opportunity to learn to swim where they found they were good at it. And okay, so now we're down to 500. Right. And of those 500, you know, maybe 400 of those didn't really have the desire to, to achieve Michael Phelps level. Right. So now we're at a hundred people and of those hundred people, maybe only 50 of them got the, any reasonable level of talent recognition or coaching from somebody outside saying, Hey, you're, you're pretty good at this. You should, you know, give this a go. So now we're down to 50 people. Mm -hmm. And of those 50 people, maybe Michael Phelps made the best of his circumstance. Right. And then he worked with his strengths and his weaknesses. Yeah. I'm sure he, with every athlete, there's a strength and weakness. There's a potential injury along the way that can make it easy to quit. There's a, you know, coaching dilemmas. There's, People try to steer you the wrong way. I mean, so many things have to go right in order for him to make the Olympics. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then, then there's so many things that have to go right with, with him having the success he did at the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, lots of his medals were in relay situations, so his teammates didn't perform. You know? He, yeah, no chance. He's not going to make up a half a length in a in a 400 meter uh, race. Yeah. I don't think he's Aquaman. <laughs> so, um, but he is amazing in, in what he achieved in that time frame. And, it, you know, I think it's good to have, um, 
goals to strive for. And then also, I think the, the theme of our talk today about willpower and determination and working with our natural talents and abilities is, is timely because it's often we're, we're looking for some kind of sign or uh, intuition about what we should do with our lives. And um, it's interesting when, you know, I have a teenager now that's graduating from high school, going into university, and she'll be looking to try to find out what, what she wants to do with her career. And it's nice to know that, you know, as a parent, as you're starting to talk about these things, it leaves me a little bit more open-minded that aside from just going with the flow, that some determination might be required for her to achieve the goal that she wants. Definitely. The, <laughs> the level of challenge is going to increase. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. And you'll find those, you'll find your aptitudes through that process. It, it may not be an easy or fun process sometimes because everybody likes to know where they're going, right? Mm -hmm. But the truth is that sometimes you just got to go and see where it takes you. And, you know, the whole willpower and determination, and I wouldn't say versus going with the flow, I'd say, you know, um, in combination, maybe with in combination or, you know, if, if we're always in a situation where we, we're, um, expanding effort through, you know, willpower and determination that, that, and we're not getting a going with the flow time. Mm -hmm. What one is very engaged and the other is very natural. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think we need both of those. Yeah, I think so too. Right, because one is, because it's so natural, it's maybe a lot more restful too. Yeah, I and, agree. And it brings in the fun quotient versus, yeah, I'm doing this. And, you know, now choice choice comes into that where, yeah, I'm choosing to do this because it's it's easy and natural and it feels like what I should do. Right, right. And, and that, you know, that, that can just be in a in a recreational sense, just to, to have a rest from having to expend effort through willpower and determination. Mm -hmm. And I guess if, uh, you know, I'm just uh, trying to give us a little bit of praise for ourselves to keep us going. This is our 11th episode, Jim. Pretty amazing, isn't it? <laughs> tenth, Winston. You're one ahead of yourself. Am I? Oh, okay. I thought the last one was our tenth. Okay. Yeah. That's still good. <laughs> I tell you, well, I, like a baker's dozen, you got to add one to the top, oh. right? <laughs> and, you know, getting back to uh, to, to what what uh, your daughter did, uh, you know, just in, in uh, you know, little, little things for other people. Sure. Um, you know, if only one person appreciates our podcast, We've done our job. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And, you know, we do it, we, we rarely just, uh, you know, this whole idea was born from the idea that we always are, are sharing deep thoughts over the phone. And we thought, what, what would it be like to share that with other people and even archive it for our own purposes too, right? Yes. And I think we're doing a pretty good job. And, uh, you know, for those of us who have followed us throughout the whole episode series, we hats off to you for having the determination and willpower to see it all through. And if this is your first episode... Feel free to go back and listen to the other nine of them. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Seize the Day. Yes. And that's what we do. Seize the Day. And so today we talked about natural talents and abilities and effort, hobbies versus work, um, occupations and hobbies, choices versus obligation, willpower and determination going with flow and some and finding our strengths and weaknesses. I think we did a pretty good job, Jim. Oh, we... we... Explored the subject matter, took tangents, and had some fun. 
Yeah, and I mean, it's time for a cup of coffee. If you live a little closer, we'd be having lunch right now. <laughs> well, I guess we'll cap it off for this episode, eh, Jim? You bet, Winston. All right, thanks for listening, listeners, and we'll catch you the next one, Jim. Have a great day. Take care. Seize the day.